Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, the ultimate education show on the forefront of the burgeoning edtech revolution. Join us each week as we interview the most cutting-edge edtech companies, content creators, and curriculum developers across the planet. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzaifa, as always. And today, we are continuing the mission of exploring everything that's amazing about the EdTech revolution. And in particular, we've got on an incredible YouTuber, somebody that I've been a fan of for a long time. But this is a little bit of a different angle, yet it's so critical, so important that this type of education goes on. We're talking about education regarding uh, substances, illicit substances, different drugs. And I know this is something that parents talk to me about all the time. It can be a really tricky issue. And there's a lot of uh, companies and programs out there that try to educate the public, even teachers try and do this, about uh, illegal drugs and the effects and what they can do. But I think our guest today has a really incredible and honest and sincere approach and that approach is that he he shares his own experiences, trials and tribulations on his channel, as well as brings other people on to talk about their experiences, to show people firsthand and explain in an honest way, not, not using scare t- tactics, but in an honest way to, to explain what life is like when you are uh, in addiction, in the throes of addiction. So my guest today, his name is Philip Markoff, and his channel is called CG Kid. And it's all about sharing experiences with addiction and recovery to further educate the public and to give hope that sobriety is possible to those struggling. He also has a blog called shamelessprotocol.com, which you should definitely check out. But without further ado, Philip, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining. So first, before we begin, tell us a little bit about your story and how you got into educating the public on the subject matter. Uh, my story is, uh, you know, I was an a-, a poly addict, uh, which means uh, they call it poly substance chemical depend- dependency, which means I didn't really have much of a preference for any particular drug. I started using at the age of 17, and I was very experimental. It actually came from reading an autobiography on Ozzy Osbourne, and he talked about how he was interested in drugs and their different effects. Um, and that made me interested. So I made it kind of like a life mission to try most substances out there, at least everything I could get my hands on. Uh, and I didn't really have a preference to any particular drug. I always like trying something new. So it's like if it started with marijuana, but I would go out of my way for cocaine or something I'd never tried before. And uh, because of that, I tried a lot of different drugs and I got addicted to quite a few of them. And uh, abused all of them. You know, I didn't use them, you know, in a medicinal way at all. And then methamphetamine was my drug of choice. Uh, But I'd been through heroin withdrawal. I'd been through all different types of blackouts from benzodiazepines, stuff of that nature. And I got sober June 9th of 2013. And uh, about three years into my sobriety, I started up my YouTube channel. And uh, the real reason was in a lot of recovery meetings or support groups, they talk about the newcomer being the most important person in the meeting. And I've always agreed with that. Uh, When someone walks in the door, they are really important because they're in a very vulnerable and desperate state. 
And it's important that we show like the beauty of sobriety and recovery to that person and be as welcoming as possible. But um, I started thinking about how I could reach people outside of the rooms of these support group meetings, like before they even get there. And I had been working in digital marketing. I was a rapper at the time and I was promoting my own music online and doing freelance projects in digital marketing. So I thought I could use my digital marketing skills to reach people that are struggling with addiction and uh, currently using drugs and, uh, you know, kind of give them a message of hope. You know, I'm not I wouldn't call myself a recovery advocate because when I was sitting there and I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, what do drug addicts want to see? What are they looking up? You know, that's what they call content strategy. Like, what are you really trying to show them? And I was like, they're looking up videos about drugs, you know? So a lot of my videos really kind of focus on the problem. And I do talk about the solution, but the real focus is the problem because that's where addicts relate. And then I offer um, my phone number, my social media, they can reach out to me for support. And that's the resource that I offer them. So I think it's about talking about the problem in a way they can relate. And once they can relate, providing a resource to maybe inspire sobriety within them. Because I remember when I was in addiction, and this is part of why I started the channel, I didn't have anybody I could talk to. You know, I couldn't talk to my family. I couldn't talk to coworkers. All my friends were using drugs, so I couldn't really talk to them either. Uh, And if I could just have one person to talk to, I think it would have made a big difference. You know what I mean? And uh, I've asked addicts, a lot of people wonder, how do you help an addict get sober? And I always ask addicts when I'm interviewing them, Um, is there anything anybody could have said that would have got you sober? And their immediate response is no. But then they pause and they say, well, there were these moments where I was coming down or I was just laying there, like wondering what I'm doing to myself. And in those moments, if I had someone to talk to, then they might've made an impact. And that's kind of what I want to be there for people. And that's why I created the channel. I think that makes a a ton of sense. And I I see a, another huge benefit, which I'm sure you must see as well, uh, in, in probably from your fans or or comments that you've received. But I see one issue with the drug education is that I feel as though in the world that I'm in with the families I work with and so on, I feel that there's a lot of scare tactics being used and it's, it's not, it comes from a place of love. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like what you do is you provide candid, very candid stories of, of your experiences and really what it's like, both, both the, the ups and the downs, the goods and the, the good and the bad that comes with mm-hmm. it. Right. And I think that for even people who are contemplating trying something, they, they can hear that story and they can re- get a real honest idea and maybe ch- it, that might change their decision for somebody who's never tried it. I mean, tell us, tell us about your, your thoughts on that or your experiences with people writing to you on that matter. Yeah, I mean, I think that the genuine nature, I always tell my, when I interview people and they talk to me, I'm like, the more transparent you are, the better. When I make a video, I literally, I don't forethink what I'm going to say. Uh, I, if I have a topic idea, I throw on the camera, I don't edit my videos and it's one take. I might edit if I screw up or say some or stutter, you know, but for the most part, it's just one take cause I'm just speaking my truth and there's no agenda behind it. I think people see agendas and they see, uh, and I understand why the agendas exist. You know what I mean? There's, a uh, the anti-drug agenda of, you know, we want to demonize this as much as possible because they think that's going to prevent people from using. But in my experience, when they demonized it, for one, they, they taught me only enough just to get me interested in the drug. And we have the internet. And so I went on the internet and on the internet, they have almost pro-drug propaganda. So 
You know, there's people that, you know, you'll hear from dare or at school, you'll hear ecstasy destroys the brain it depletes serotonin. And then on the internet, it, there's like pages where they say ecstasy is like the solution for everything, you know what I mean? And it causes no harm, which is almost like, you know, a retaliation against anti-drug propaganda. So it's not really balanced. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, uh, both, both have their agendas. I think that there's people that have, uh, they're almost enthusiastic for the substance and they're almost promoting it because they want other people to experience it with them. And that's where the pro-drug propaganda comes in, where they're, you know, they're not being as balanced as they can. And uh, a lot of those people, too, that are educating on drugs, um, they'll talk about, let's like use ecstasy as an example. They'll talk about it because they've used it four times or five times. And that's why I focus on addicts. I think people that have been through addiction are the best drug educators because they have the most experiences with the specific substance, you know, and, uh, you know, somebody who's taken ecstasy five times might've had a great experience, but the other person who didn't have that kind of self-control could share a lot more about the long-term effects, the come downs, the high dose effects, the low dose, things of that nature, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Now you mentioned dare, uh, in that, in that last uh, question answer. Tell us a little bit about Dare because I know you've talked about them in your previous videos, and I and I'd love to hear your opinions because that that's a big organization. So what are you, what are your thoughts on that organization? I think that they're good for elementary and middle school age students um, at the latest. But once you get into high school and college, I think that's where Dare almost becomes like a joke. I just know like. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't dare to be drug free because Daryl the Lion is my mascot. And I just even like their branding, if you look at it, it's branded for elementary age students in middle school and in high school. It really and I think it's good for that. I think it's cute and it's docile. And I think that's what kids that are like, you know, 10 years old can handle. Uh, but when it gets into high school, that's where a lot of problems come in because there's nothing that's really that effective. I mean, I remember health education class. It was just like, you know, teaching us about the effects of LSD. And I was just like, that sounds fun. And it, it caused me to ha do my own research outside of class. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Now, what would you, in your experience from, from running your YouTube channel and, and talking to different individuals, if, if you could theoretically go into a high school and change their drug education program, what would be some of the immediate things that you would modify or implement? I would definitely have a former addict share their stories. That's number one. And uh, share it in a way that's genuine, without an agenda, that's relatable, whether that's done through speaking or through video. Um, and also have more peer support options because a lot of these people that are educated on the drugs are already abusing them and they might relate to this addict story. And again, they have no one to talk to. I mean, I've made my information publicly available. I get about 200 text messages a day and a lot of them are adolescents. And uh, I think that if we had, uh, you know, speakers and also have the students able to reach out to those speakers, if they are struggling just for peer support, I think it'd be very effective at not only educating people on drugs in a more authentic way, uh, but also if somebody relates to their story or relates to the effects they felt when they took the drug, they have someone to reach out to and speak to because schools don't have substance abuse counselors or, or uh, recovery coaches on campus. You know what I mean? They really don't have, they don't have internal support group meetings. And a lot of these kids are already addicted. There was a TEDS report of addicts entering treatment between ages 18 and 30. And in that report, they asked them when they first used and 74% of addicts used before the age of 17. And I believe it was around 600,000 people were surveyed. 
Uh, so, the, and if you look into neurology and I've looked through the, the science neurology reports, neurologists, there's causes of addiction and it's conflicting and everybody has their own views, but every neurologist will come together and say, the younger you use, the more likely you are to be an addict. And that just has to do with science, you know, how the brain develops. Uh, so if you use at the age of 11, you're more likely to be an addict than if you first use drugs at the age of 30. So I think it's very important that these young people that are already using and struggling with addiction have somebody to talk to and we address the problem early and right now that's just not there. That's that's 100% true. About 2 years ago I had a psychologist on the show to talk about video game addiction. He and technology addiction he said the exact same thing. The the longer the the later in life that you get exposed to technology and I think there's there's a lot of similarities by the way between illicit substances and and video games. Uh, but he said the later in life, the, the stronger you are to ward off that potential addiction. Uh, I wanted to bring up something else that you said a few times in some of your different videos. Really interesting. When I think about drugs, I have I know the uh, a handful at the top where I would I would say they're they're just ultra addictive, and I'd consider them the most dangerous, the the most addictive. You have you have talked about this where you said, hey, there's no such thing as a universal most dangerous drug because everybody there's a danger there's a most dangerous drug for everybody can you talk a little bit about this thought and and explain it yeah it's just like everybody reacts so differently to every substance and that's part of what i try to show on my channel that you know i always disclose these are my subjective experiences and you know someone could drink alcohol and four shots in they are getting dizzy they're nauseous they have a hangover the next day and their friend beside them can go through like half a bottle blackout wake up no hangover and uh, that's because the body metabolizes alcohol differently. And I've, I've met people that have used drugs like meth and simply don't like it at all, but drink alcohol and love it. Well, naturally, if you told people what's more dangerous, alcohol or meth, uh, people would say uh, meth is more dangerous. But to one person that doesn't like it, they'll use it once and never use it again. And to the alcoholic, uh, they could end up becoming addicted and harming other people's lives and putting their lives in danger. And I think that applies to all substances, even uh what people call softer drugs like marijuana, you know, I think this perception that it's a soft drug, it might be for some, but I know people that have uh, smoked weed until they're in their late thirties, haven't really accomplished much. And when they quit, they have psychological withdrawal. That's really intense. And that drug has robbed them of money, time, energy, motivation, and short-term memory for so many years. Whereas the guy beside them, you know, could smoke weed and it actually benefits their life. It doesn't have all these side effects like they don't lose motivation. They actually get more motivated, and when they quit, they have no withdrawal. So I think it's very important in drug education, and that's one of the biggest lacking components is to understand that we all react differently. And uh, the, one, the reaction that is addictive is when a drug makes somebody feel complete, which a lot of people are looking for. You know, when, they try all, when I was trying all these different drugs, I was looking for the better high. And the better high is the one that makes me feel more complete. But once you find that drug that makes you feel complete, that's not seen as an allergic reaction as it should be. That's seen as like the desired outcome of experimentation, if that makes sense. Uh, but that's an addictive reaction. And I think it's based on genetic predisposition. And everybody's genetically predisposed to be addicted to one drug, whether that be alcohol, weed, cocaine, ecstasy. And uh, there's also drugs that we're predisposed to not be addicted to because we just don't like the effects of them. That's really interesting. And I think that's, a, that's an important message for any parents listening. I mean, look, you just 
I guess the takeaway is you got to be on the lookout for anything and everybody's, everybody's different. Everybody reacts differently. So that, that, that's great. Uh, Philip, there's an, something else that you had mentioned that I know you're working on a startup, a tech startup. Can you tell us a little bit about, about your new venture? Yeah, it's just um, my my way of solve what my want to solve the problem is through a nonprofit organization that has videos of these addicts that share their past experiences, and uh, they're certified as recovery coaches. Uh, so, uh, you know, that way students have a portal of videos to watch and uh, videos they might relate with, and have a guy who struggled with tobacco addiction, a guy who struggled with alcoholism, a guy who struggled with Xanax. And if they relate to that person, then they can get pure support from them for free. Um, and that support can just be encouragement to uh, help them come out to their parents or to seek recovery resources. Because uh, right now, like, there's a big uh, there's a big problem with the way recovery is presented. And I think if it was presented in a more genuine way, um, that a lot more people would reach out for help. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, you know, I can I can only say from from my vantage point from it, what everything that you've done and this sounds just along the exact same lines is coming from that sincere and authentic place. I try to do the same thing when it comes to math education, even though it's a, a different sect of education. I believe the same message resonates, so I'm totally on board. I think it's incredible what you're doing. And guys, this is what the EdTech revolution is all about. It's about people really revolutionize, re, uh, changing the way that ed, that information is delivered. And, and this is what it is. It's people like people on the ground with real experiences doing that. So I think this is incredible. If people want to check out your YouTube channel or check out your blog or connect with you, how can they, how can they do that? Oh, just search CG kid on anywhere. I mainly uh, post to Instagram. I go live and answer questions there. But if you just search CG kid on Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, uh, YouTube, uh, even Google, you'll find me. Uh, my website is shamelessprotocol.com. All right. Awesome. Philip, thank you so much for joining. Guys, if you want to check out CG Kid, you can, of course, search. And if you miss the website, well, it's a podcast, so you can just rewind and check it out. Thank you guys so much. This was awesome. And if you want to check out the Scalar Learning YouTube channel, we got a new math music video coming out shortly. So make sure to do that. Just go to YouTube, search for Scalar Learning. Also, check out more podcast episodes. Go to scalarlearning.com. New podcast episodes dropping on the regular. Thank you guys so much for joining. And I'll see you all next time. Take it easy. Scalar Learning. Give me that Scalar Learning.